Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station. So Wayne, a really good start to the, the championship for you guys and a, a good win against Clare last weekend. It was kind of nip and tuck the whole way through. You came through by a point in the end, but that third quarter when you got 1-3 without reply, was that kind of the decisive part of the game? Yeah, um, we looked at it at halftime and um, being four points down playing into that Gale Force win, we, we kind of felt confident that we could we could outscore them by four points in the second half. Um, we felt with the way we were attacking through the middle of the park that we had another goal in us. Um, now, the goal we got was probably a little bit fortunate, but we had blown two or three other goal opportunities that we probably should have put away. And then with the with the breeze, the likes of Laura and Kate, their ability to shoot from distance, we had full confidence in them that we could get a couple of scores from them. So it was it was mainly about what Claire could do in the second half, really into that breeze, and, and we were kind of confident after our first half performance that we could outscore them by the four points, given the fact that a lot of their chances were because of our mistakes, was switching off um, from minute eight to about minute twenty we were actually quite poor and we got very leggy. Uh, I think it was probably to do with, you know, with the travel and mm. all the time that was put into the weekend. And then trying to get used to Ennis, like Ennis is your typical hurling pitch. It's extremely, extremely wide um, and spaces that we were probably used to filling, you know, in, in club grounds that we've been playing at the, the past couple of months. Um, all of a sudden these spaces are 10 metres bigger and, and it took us probably a little bit of time to get used to that. So once we got to there, and got into halftime, we were actually quite confident in ourselves that we could go on and, and finish the job. And, um, you know, even ourselves, we were discussing the game. We were probably a little bit disappointed with various parts of our game that we could improve on for, for next week against Roscommon. But overall, we were, we were delighted with the win. It's an interesting one there, what you mentioned about the pitch, because, you know, you can prepare for, for kind of lots of different things. And the nature of obviously Ennis being so far away, it's not like you could spin down there for a little recce uh, the week before and have a look at it. So, do you have to kind of think on your feet when you're in a situation like that where the dimensions are maybe a little bit bigger than you're used to? Yeah, especially in the ladies' game because we're not used to playing inter-county um, grounds regularly. So, you know, we're flowing between club grounds and even our quarter-final, you, you don't know where it's going to be. It could mm. be in Kinnegad or it could be in Clonus. And, you know, even the the way the grounds are situated around some of the pitches, it makes grounds look smaller, it makes it feel bigger. Um, so we're not used to that so we've been kind of thrown around a little bit so the goal to Ennis um, we, were re- we were really happy to hear we were playing Ennis just because it's an old style GAA ground and it's you know a really nice day for them to play there and it's a great opportunity to play there not many people get in there so in that respect we were delighted to play there 
Um, but when we were just starting the warm up, I stood in the middle of the pitch and I just went, wow, this is really wide. Um, and you could see that in the game that it just took us, it took us five, 10 minutes to get used to that. Um, and once we did, we actually controlled the spaces really well then and, and we got our tactics back in place and we started to take over the game. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's something that you, you kind of have to take into consideration wherever you go. Um, you know, have we played there before? If not, why is the ground like? Is it a big pitch, etc.? You know, um, quite often you go to grounds and the wind is always blowing the one way. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's little things like that we have to try and take into consideration. But look, there are only minor factors at the end of the day. It's a big test of fitness as well, obviously, on a bigger pitch. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose in, in, in that regard, um, it suited us. Our conditioning is very, very high level, and we found that out you know, really this year that we've finished every single game very strongly. So we know that coming into the stretch that we we have the legs to go the whole way. Um, our bench has been really effective in every game, in, in both championship games specifically, um, down in Clare. Our bench has been excellent when they come in, they've really contributed. But the conditioning of our probably our, our middle-aged players is exceptional and they can play 60, 65 minutes at a really high pace. And that's something that, um, you know, it's... It's kind of money in the bank for us, knowing that we can, we can play at a high pace and a high level and challenge teams physically for a long period of time. And it's kind of a question then, can teams match us? Can they match our athleticism through the middle of the park? And it's always an interesting battle because we felt clear we're very similar to us around that middle eight um, positions. So it was it was an interesting battle just even to get to look at that and see how it would develop. Um, and we were we were really happy with how we went in midfield. So yeah, like we we do find that the the bigger pitches kind of suit us a little bit more to get our running game going. But um, and saying that we played in Clannagale and in the dock against Down, and that's a tighter pitch and we perform well too. So it's just about adapting. It's something that we've um, we've worked hard at this year of adapting our game slightly to oppositions and pitches and all that. And we talk about it regularly. Um, about being able to adapt in game as well, which is important, and what teams throw at us that maybe we didn't see coming, and um, that's something that's probably been very impressive from them this year. Yeah, and like you know, you mentioned the down game there. Really, that was the, the the big win to get because they beat you in the league, and you know you beat down. So the game against Clare last week, it's a it's a free hit. So in, in some ways, obviously you wanted to go out and win the game, but both Clare and Loud are already through to the quarterfinals after you both beat down. So that down game, as I said, having lost them in the league, that was a huge win as well. Yeah, it was massive and it was massive for the conference because they beat us last year as well in the championship. So they've probably they've probably beaten us the three games previous to um, two weeks ago. So it was something that was on our mind a lot. Um, the games were all very close and they were just pipping us. And I think the league game this year really hurt us because we were leading and we had control of the game and it um, we got a yellow card at a really bad time and we, we missed an open goal to stretch the lead and we just didn't finish it out. Um, we played quite well, but just didn't finish the job. And that's something that kind of stuck with us for a good while. And so we, we did feel confident that we could, we could get the win in, in Dundalk. And um, we were training really well. So everyone was moving really well. And to be honest with you, I think probably, no disrespect to down, I think the four points probably flattered them a little bit. I thought we were way better on the day, um, we really should have beaten them by what Clare beat them. Um, by the, nine, the eight or nine points, you know, we missed a lot of chances as well in the game. But we were just delighted with how we performed and, you know, played with 
no fear and full of confidence and um you know stuck to our game plan and it worked really effectively so we were delighted um and it's probably deserved as well because we weren't really getting the rubber degree in the league and we were actually doing okay um so we were delighted to get get the win I was looking at the team that lined out against Clare last weekend and comparing it to the team that won the junior in 2019 and there does seem to be an awful lot of new faces in there, an awful lot of new names. Is that is that a fair comment of a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of kind of new players coming into the squad. We know it's a it's a dynamic environment at the best of times in county football, but it does seem like there's been a, a lot of new players introduced, which is obviously, you know, great and shows the, the, the strength and the interest in the football at the moment. Yeah, and it's been brilliant. Um, you know, when we first came in, um, the pool of players probably available to us were, were reasonably small. Um and then after we won the league, I think that actually, you know, brought the interest in, in the county up hugely. Um, I think a lot more club players were looking in at the inter-county team going, oh, I'd like to be a part of that. So, um, yeah, we opened the door to start the year this year to go and we spent a lot of time going to club games and watching a lot of club games. Um, and we went chasing, you know, and um, there was girls that we wanted in and uh, we got them and it'd be brilliant, you know, and... Um, we brought in a lot of good footballers and even I know you were saying from that junior team the, the difference in who we have in our squad now but even from the National League team that won last year um, there's a huge difference in the team that you know lined out against Clare as well so you know it's it's an ever evolving team but um, we've been really happy with our squad this year we've used a huge amount of them competitively which is important um, I think we've used 26 players comp- in competitive games um, between the league and championship, which is probably one of the most, you know, between all our intermediate level teams. So that's something that we're, we're really happy with and it shows, you know, week in, week out that any player could start and any player could come off the bench and, and make a difference for us, depending on what's needed. So, um, yeah, no, I, I do genuinely think the interest in Loud Ladies has has grown massively. I think um, a lot of the faces now, you know, the bigger names, I suppose, at the moment, like with Kate and Laura and Shannon, these names, you know, are the, the role models for the younger girls. I think a lot of the under 16s and minors are looking up to them and they're getting excited about potentially playing with them in the future. And that's that's brilliant, you know, and that's that's what it's all about. I'm interested to hear there what you said about going around, you know, trying to convince girls to, to join. What are those conversations like and are some easier to convince than others? Yeah, I think like... Um, I think it's not that long ago that, you know, ladies football in general wasn't as professional as it is now, even though it's not professional, but you get the, what I mean, the setups and stuff. So I think that's probably a fear. There's like, the, just for an example, the girls that come in this year, um, they're hugely competitive and they want to be a part of that professional setup and they want to be a part of a really well-run setup and be with a group of good footballers who are going to push them week in, week out. It's that competitive nature that, they they thrive off and they enjoy so it's very important that that's what we could offer them that it wasn't going to be a real amateur run setup and also not a dictatorship where you know they were told this is what you have to do end of story um we've, we very much work with the players day in day out and we try and help them as best as we can you know life is a lot more than football involved in it so um, it's not to be all and end all and we know that like, and we all love it but you know we, we try to strike a balance like we only meet three days a week 
Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be ringing them every second day over stuff either. Like, you know, so we, we do try and strike that balance and the clubs are very important to them as well. And we were never going to come in and say, you're not playing club football, it's only county football. And, you know, that sort of attitude either. So it's just about yeah. kind of reinforcing the flexibility that we have and showing them the professionalism that we were bringing and, you know, letting them know who was in the squad, I suppose, that who they were going to come in and be wished for the year. And, um, you know, the conversations were rather easy. It's just, it was just about, you know, explaining the situation and the way we're set up and the way we, we do things. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it. Just in terms of the, the Roscommon game, you've obviously um, got that game next weekend. You lost to them by a point in the league in Darber, so not much between you guys. Before we talk about the game itself, you did mention there, and I saw it myself this morning on the on the website, no time or venue for that game yet, a week out. Is that good enough, do you think? No, it's not good enough. Um, I, I speak to other managers regularly, um, you know, and it's the same issue that everybody has. It's, it's the lack of knowledge that we have. Um, we didn't even, I, nobody knew that the quarterfinal was even neutral um, after we beat down that question was asked and that wasn't even confirmed for a couple of days. Right. So we didn't even know if we, if we beat Clare, did we have home advantage or what was the incentive to beat Clare or for them to beat us? Um, you know, so I think that kind of lack of planning is probably frustrating for us. But again, it's only something small. I mean, it's neutral, so it's only going to be an hour and a half away from loud, probably maximum two hours. So, um, you know, we won't make a big deal about that. That's out of our control. And we always talk about internally about control and what we can control, and that's ourselves, our preparation, our performance. So um, at the end of the day, a pitch is a pitch, and you just got to go out and play football on it. So we don't like to make a big deal about it but from I suppose from our point of view from the management and the executive point of view it can be frustrating all right just logistically trying to work things out for buses and food and all that sort of thing you know yeah because it seems to happen a lot I mean I'm pretty sure I saw not that long ago it was it was midweek and there was still no confirmed venue for particular match so it's and look, I appreciate the LGFA are in a difficult situation trying to get pitches and all that kind of stuff. We know that that, that it's a separate organisation from the GA and there are all sorts of complications around that. And the possible amalgamation is a whole other conversation. But it, it would just, you know, it's always nice, whatever level of football you're playing at, to know where you're playing. And, you know, some people per, have a particular preference over a certain venue. They like to play in a certain pitch and they look forward to playing in a certain venue. So... It would just give you a little bit of certainty. I know what you mean. You're not trying to make a big issue out of it, but it, it's something that you'd imagine in this day and age should be kind of easy enough to fix. Yeah, and I, I think um, the way the Intermediate Championship works out, uh, geographically, it's easy enough to see who's going to come through the groups. So you're, you're going to have louder down coming out of our group, regardless, one of us was coming out into the quarterfinal. So you knew a team was coming down from that direction and... You had Longford and Roscommon, so one of them were coming out of the group. So chances are that you're going to need a location centrally to that. Um, New Kildare, so similar-ish, you know, traveling down towards Kildare. So they, they knew the groups and who was going to be playing who. Um, Clare were obviously massive favorites to come out of our group. They'd be one of the favorites for the championship. So you know, you the planning could be really put in place. You know, to ninety percent, and you you could have a rough idea of who's coming through and geographically where teams are coming from because the groups and and the formats already set out. So that's probably what's frustrating, you know, in itself. Um, but yeah, look, it's it, it is. I know I do understand they are in a difficult situation, and and it's something that's probably 
you know, flowing week to week and what venues are made available to them. But I think there probably could be a little bit better planning there, even just to know whether we were playing neutrally or at home would have been helpful to have that from the start of the year. Um, and is it something you, know, you would have, would you have raised or would other managers have raised this with the, with the powers that be? Well, we wouldn't have technically raised it, but, you know, to be inquiries going in, just, you know, wondering where the games are at. Um, but nobody's, nobody has anything, you know, um, speaking to other managers, they don't know either. So, you know, it's not, it's not just us, it's, every, it's everybody. So it's frustra- it is frustrating. Um, I think maybe the uncertainty over whether the quarterfinals were going to be home or neutral probably skewed that. I don't know whether they were thinking that originally that um, the top of the group was going to play their, their home venues and then maybe they've changed their mind on that and that probably, you know, made them scramble a little bit then for neutral venues. But I do think they have a list, they have a list of venues, I think, that kind of work regularly with them. Um, so it's only a matter of going through going through them. I know Pierce Park is one of them. I've seen that regularly popping up lately for um, neutral venues. But Longford being involved now is probably, you know, through a spanner into that works as well. So it, I do, I, I definitely do understand the logistic difficulties that they have. But um, I think a bit more clarity for ourselves would be would be helpful, especially, you know, we don't find out till within the week where you're going, you know, so that's, it's difficult enough, but again, it's out of our control. So, ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, and as you said, I suppose a pitch is a pitch, although hopefully not as wide as I as you're probably hoping for the next one. But that quarterfinal <laughs> against Ross Common, as I mentioned there, you know, you did a narrow defeat to them in the league uh, in Darver. So... Not a whole pile between them, uh, between yourselves and Roscommon. It's uh, it's going to be a tight one, I would imagine. Yeah, no, definitely. Look, the intermediate championship is very, very interesting. I actually nearly think it's it's the best competition now of the three, um, because of how competitive it is and how close the games are. And um, you wouldn't know one week to the next who's going to come out of it. You know, nobody expected us, bar ourselves, to be clear. Nobody expected there to be knocked out in the group stage. Um, you know, so it, it's extremely interesting. To, to watch what's happening and, and look at the results and, and to play in it. 
and it's quite enjoyable because you know week in week out you have a chance of winning but you also have a chance of losing so nobody can take their eye off the ball um, but um, yeah no it's a, the Roscommon game is going to be a cracker it, two extremely close teams um, the difference between them and Clare again is you know Clare play a little bit more freestyle open football Roscommon play a defensive block you know they play with a sweeper so that's a challenge for us of how we're going to work around that so um, yeah, we know, we know them pretty well. Um, obviously, playing them up in Cooley, we 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 threw it away. To be honest, we can see the two sloppy goals, and we were still only beaten by a point. Um, so that was something that we caused ourselves. We caused that that loss ourselves, and and I think there's a little bit of a chip on our shoulder in, in regards to that game. I think we feel we can perform better, and I think if we can cut out the mistakes that we made that day, there's no reason why we can't go and beat them next week. But it's going to be close. And I think that's probably something that the Clare game has helped us with that, you know, we're, we're getting hardened as the weeks go by. It's a Division Two team, very, very physical, very athletic. And we had to really battle hard last week. And I think that will stand to us because it's going to be a battle against Roscommon. They're quite physical. They're, they have a quite large defensive block. And the game could get very physical depending on what way the referees let it go. And it's something that we have to be prepared for and we have to adapt within the game as well. And it's something that we've developed over time as well. Just looking at last season, you're beaten by Leash in the quarterfinal. You're in the quarterfinal again this year. Is is progress as easily measured as saying we get to a semi-final this year? We're one step further on than we were last year. I presume it's not just as simple as that. I mean, you guys could, hopefully you won't, but you guys could lose next weekend and you could still see progress this year. Yeah, I'd like to think so. I think progress over our three-year tenure um, can be judged on various different things. I think, you know, we've brought new things in inside the camp this year that uh, the last couple of years that the, the players didn't have previous. Um, the promotion of Division 4 and then staying in Division 3 was very important. Even though we felt we could have gone further in Division 3, the most important factor at the end of the league was that we were still in it. Um, and they were playing Division 3 football next year. So as disappointed as we were, we were very realistic to that fact that that was important. The Leinster Championship was a free shot, and um, we ran Leach very close up in, in Clannagale. You know, we were there was a draw match with 10 minutes to go. We two shots at the goal, which we should have scored, and we didn't. And they went down, and um, Ailish slipped, and Mon early got in for a goal. And that was the last score of the game because of the conditions we're never getting that back. So that was very, very close. Um, the Wicklow performance then in, in the Leinster Championship was probably our most disappointing performance. We were really poor that day. Um, and, you know, we were actually very angry at ourselves after that game. And then from there going forward, we were really good. We played well against Offaly and we had a good win. And Offaly had a, has, have had a great year. So they were they were really on the up and we were after losing to Wicklow. So it was a dangerous game for us. And we played well. Um, and we had a good win and then obviously beaten down and beaten Clare which is a Division 2 team so I think there has been progress um, I think it's it's very clear there has been progress um, with new players coming in as well that you know should be there for the future they're young girls um, we have a young squad so the squad is one for the future there's a couple of good minors coming through as well um, so I'd like to think that and people think that we've progressed over the three years and um, I suppose that's open to opinion interpretation but um, look we're, we're, we're very competitive if we lose next week we'll be devastated and um, 
you know, it's it's not something that we even think about or prepare for. We think about winning and we're preparing to win and that's all that's in our heads at the moment. So but look, we have to we'll have to wait and see, I suppose, after the game. If um if we win then it's easy to say we've progressed and if we lose then it's obviously easy to be criticized and say, Oh well we haven't progressed but you know, um, as common are division three winners, so it's going to be a tough game. We know that, so we're going to have to be at our best. There was just one other thing I wanted to talk to you about in the broader sense around the, the rules of the game, and um, not to be to be highlighting the Mead situation, but the one that kind of came to light a few weeks ago was in the Mead Dublin game in the Leinster final, where Vicky Wall was trying to make a run off the ball. One of the Dublin players you could see clearly stood across her line of running and just blocked her off. But because, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but as I understand it, because the Dublin player was stationary and it was Vicky Wall who was making the run, Vicky Wall was the one who got penalised and actually got got um, a sin bin off the back of it. And I watching that game and, and various instances like that in other games over the last few years, it kind of seems counterintuitive to me. I guess we're so used to seeing, uh, you know, body checks being penalised with black cars in the men's game. So watching it in the, in the women's game where it's kind of the opposite seems to be a little bit strange to me. I'm not sure if that's something that you've a, a strong view on or if it's something that's, uh, kind of discuss uh, much in the ladies' game, but it just seemed like an odd one to me. Yeah, I think. Look, I think the contact situation in ladies' football is an issue, regardless. Um, I think the the charge um, issue is a big issue, but I also think the contact in itself. Um, the players want more contact. It's very clear that they do. So it's the referee and panels and and whoever is organising, you know, the the rules and the way they. W- they want the game to look are saying that they want less contact. Um, the way that rule is interpreted to me now is it's like basketball, that if you plant your feet and you take a charge to free out and take, and depending on how aggressive it is, I suppose, I think it's based off three levels. Um, and again, it's open to interpretation by the referee, which is always a dangerous game when you leave something open to interpretation, um, whether it's a yellow card, whether it's a free or even whether it's a free in that if you can't plant your feet quick enough and there's a slight change of direction, you could absolutely blast it out with because you're trying to take contact and it could be a free in. I don't envy referees, to be honest <laughs> with you. I, I, um, the the inter-county game it, uh, in ladies football now, is it's extremely fast. It's extremely, extremely fast. And for referees now, they're trying to keep up with an unbelievably athletic game for a lot of it, it's a high-paced running game. So it's not keep passing. You know, you see a lot more keep passing in the men's game. Um, what the rules are doing, and I think people are probably unknown to this, is they're creating a defensive game. If you look at the Leinster final between Mead and Dublin, I know Eamon Murray was given out about Monaghan um, and having 15 behind the ball, but it's tongue-in-cheek because they done the very same against Dublin and Crow Park. Yeah. And But that's what the rules are creating because... They're, stop, they're, they're basically putting players into pockets that if anyone runs in, they're just going to take contact and it's going to be a free out. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, a dangerous, it's a dangerous game because the, the sport in itself is absolutely fantastic and it can be played free-flowing. And I think the advantage rule, depending on what referee you get, is, is brilliant. And a lot of referees do it well. But that would be very careful about the contact situation because it doesn't leave any room for errors from referees and you know, just it just it opens up mistakes and and yellow cards at that level are detrimental to teams. You know, going down to fourteen players can be detrimental. And you know, you don't want to see spectacles like the Leinster final or like the Mead and Monaghan game. Like it's not 
something that the ladies are into. It's a fast, long game. So um, I do think that they really need to sit down and have a look at the contact section of the rule book and make changes in it. I think a lot of other county managers would feel the same, but the referees, committees or whoever is leading that charge, they feel the complete opposite from what I can gather from speaking with them, that they're trying to get contact out of the game completely, um, which I feel is going to end up in basketball. It's going to end up with 15 behind the ball and 15 behind the ball and blanket defences. And I think, you know, it could it could turn a, a beautiful sport into a very boring spectacle very quickly if they're not careful. Um and is there any any kind of quick fix rule change that you you think would would help kind of alleviate that ultra defensive setup? It's it's difficult because you're not the way the rules kind of go is if you hold the ball in on your chest, you're not allowed to put the hand in. But if you charge into somebody with the ball in your chest, it's deemed a charge. Yeah. So it, it's there. Some of the rules are, are counterintuitive and they're kind of contradicting each other. They're they're encouraging players to hold the ball in the chest because if the hand goes in, they'll get their free. But by holding the ball into your chest, you have no real maneuverability. You need your hands to try and throw your, your, your center of gravity to the left or right to move around players. So you're running more direct lines, which is fine. But now you have players stepping into that path. That's extremely dangerous, in my opinion, that players are now encouraged to step into the path of Vicky. Well, I wouldn't step into the path of Vicky Paul <laughs> running at full pace. Um, so I don't understand by encouraging players to step in front of her at her pace. They're going to get seriously, seriously injured. Mm. Whereas if you put a hand in to try and pop the ball out, you know, it's, it's less dangerous. So I think that they definitely need to look at that avenue of where the ball is in and how many, and how you can put your hand in and how you can tackle with the hands rather than the charge because if you can tackle more with the hands where the ball is it probably alleviates that a, a little bit um, but also I don't know if you've probably noticed in the last couple of years there's a huge amount of diving in, in ladies football now mm. that girls are initiating contact and hitting the ground and it's funny you mentioned Mayo because I watched a game two years ago with Mayo and they were doing it I think it was two meter to Dublin. I can't remember the team they were playing against, but they were initiating the contact, like you said, and they were hitting the ground really fast. And it was a big roar and the arms flew up in the air and the referees were buying it left, right and center because that's what they were told to do. So that's another area of the game you don't want to see come in. Um, so I, I, I do think the whole contact section of the rule book needs to be rejigged, um, rejigged and, and developed and, I looked at, you know, side by side with how fast the sport is and how athletic the sport is, you know, inter-county players in particular, you know, are in the gym two or three days a week as well on top of their training. Like, so they're, they're phenomenal athletes. Like yeah. you see the, all these girls going to Australia now, there's no way they'd be going to out Aussie rules if they weren't conditioned brilliantly over here. You know, they're straight away into playing a more physical, more contact sport over there. So it, you know, the signs are there to see that the players in intercounty football are highly conditioned. I just think the rules need to adapt to that and allow them to play that more free flowing football. Just one final point, then, as you mentioned the Aussie rules thing. Um, we know there's a there's a few new franchises over there this this year, this season, starting a little bit earlier. Um, now, as far as we know, let's say Vicky Wall, who's obviously the most recent high profile departure, will be around for the rest of the championship. But would you be concerned that? that there's going to be a, a situation in a year or two's time where, where counties are losing their top players before the championship is over and it's going to devalue the, the, the championships across the board. 
Uh, yeah, I, th- I think there is concerns. Um, I think, that, like, you know, it's a fantastic opportunity for players and it's very difficult to look at somebody going to Australia and say you shouldn't go. Um, you know, like I said earlier, life is more, there's more to football in life and, you know, what an opportunity is to go and live the life in Australia for a couple of months and play a sport. You know, that's an unbelievable opportunity and, you know, with the salaries increase over there now as well, um, the incentive is the goal. On on the counter side of that, it is dangerous and I do think it it will affect a lot more because I do think inter-county footballers in particular, by looking and just watching the, the ladies' game over in Australia, just following, you know, recently Kate was out there. Um, I think some of the Irish girls are going over there and they're outshining their Australian counterparts physically and athletically. Um, they're faster and they're stronger and their they're, they're movement of the ball and their skill level in particular is way higher. And I think what they're getting to see over there is actually nearly better players you know, every year coming out. Yeah. Um, so yes, it is dangerous for the sport. Um, and it will be, you know, it'd be really disappointing to see some of the best footballers over there playing and not playing in the All-Ireland Championship for us to watch and admire and for young girls to see. But it's also very difficult to, you know, kind of bring any t- negativity towards them because it's a fantastic opportunity in their lives that they'll probably only get for two or three years. And you know, they want to be taken with both hands. So, yeah, no, there's two, there's two sides to the coin. I can definitely see both of it, um, you know, from the player's point of view, the opportunities and the life experiences they'll get, but also from the sport, because, you know, I'm a, an advocate fan of the LGFA. Um, I love watching the games, you know, not just loud, I, or not just our opposition. I would watch a lot of other games, you know, um, and it'd be, be disappointed for me anyways looking at some of our best players in the country going off and not being able to watch them week in week out yeah absolutely I suppose it's a conversation that's going to rumble on but listen Wayne it's been really interesting to, to get your views on some of those topics away from the, the game next weekend it's the quarterfinal against Roscommon next Sunday time and venue to be confirmed we'll keep an eye on that one during the week hopefully you find out sooner rather than later but the very best of luck with that game Wayne hopefully we'll see you in the semi-final very soon yeah please go thanks David thanks Mel. LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station.